This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Friday, July 21st. I'm Julia Caulfield. And I'm Gavin McGough. In today's headlines, Mountain Village selects new mayor. A high society history. Eyes to ears with Bella Eatman. And a mountain weather forecast. But first, San Miguel County Search and Rescue worked on two simultaneous missions on Wednesday night. The first assisted a family from Texas stranded on Imogene Pass when the clutch in their Jeep went out. Search and Rescue drove up to the family and escorted the two adults and three children back down the pass to safety. There were no injuries. The second mission was for two overdue hikers from the Netherlands who set out to hike Navajo Lake in the Wilson Range, just south of Telluride. According to the San Miguel County Sheriff's Office, the pair left at approximately 10 a.m. on Wednesday. When they didn't return in due time, a friend called dispatch and search and rescue began to organize a mission. Search and rescue were arranging to send a team into the field at daybreak on Thursday when the hikers returned to the trailhead uninjured. The pair told deputies they encountered difficult snow-covered terrain, which significantly slowed their descent. Mountain Village has a new mayor. I, Martinique Prohaska, do hereby swear that I will support the Constitution of the United States, that I will support the Constitution of the United States, the Constitution and laws of the state of Colorado, the Constitution and laws of the state of Colorado and the town charter of the town of Mountain Village, and the town charter of the town of Mountain Village. Marty Prohaska takes over the role from Leila Benitez, who, along with Mayor Pro Tem Dan Caton, left town council after serving two terms. Mountain Village does not elect a mayor. Rather, the sitting council selects a council member to serve in the position for a two-year term. Prohaska was selected as the sole nominee and had unanimous support. Nominate Marty Prohaska. I'll second. Do we have any other nominations? Y'all are making this real easy on me. All in favor? Aye. 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 Newly elected council member Scott Pearson was unanimously voted in as mayor pro tem. Pete Dupre and Tucker Magid were sworn in alongside Prohaska and Pearson. Pearson and Magid are serving their first term on council. Prohaska and Dupre are at the beginning of their second. After being sworn in, Mayor Prohaska shared her appreciation for the trust town council, Mountain Village staff, and voters have in her. I have large shoes to fill, and um, I expect that I'm going to get tripped up now and again. Um, That said, I commit to doing the work it requires to be in this position. I commit to physically being in Mountain Village to do that job 48 to 50 weeks a year. She went on to share her commitment to doing her best for the community of Mountain Village. I truly believe that we are all here because we have this community's best interests at heart. And while we may sometimes disagree on the means by which to get there, we all are on this road together. And I think that we all know what that looks like. So in this role, I commit to actively listening um, and serving as a voice that seeks collaboration and partnership. And um, I expect in return that my fellow council members, staff, and the citizens hold me to that standard. Understanding, however, that I am human and imperfect. So I will need your support and I will need your guidance and I will welcome it. 
Prior to handing over the gavel, Mayor Leila Benitez also shared her gratitude for all the work of town council and staff. You work so much harder than anyone realizes. Like ducks, you're just floating on top and you're speeding up underwater. And I just want you to know, I know how hard you work and I will make sure to let everyone else know. So thank you on behalf of me, the former mayor, almost, but also as a resident. Thank you for everything you do. And then just looking up here at this motley crew, um, I'm going to miss you guys terribly. Um, I have grown immensely, and it's because of each of you that this is probably one of the most um, challenging and important things that I feel like I've done. All newly sworn-in council members will serve four-year terms on Mountain Village Town Council. Prohaska and Pearson will serve two-year terms as mayor and mayor pro tem. Today, Society Turn is a roundabout, sifting vehicles as they come and go from Telluride, Lawson, Mountain Village, Down Valley, and all the points beyond. Meanwhile, the moniker has been adopted by the nearby Society Turn Business Center, the quote-unquote Society Conoco, and the roadway Society Drive. Lately, it's become the chosen name of a major development which received an initial approval from the county commissioners this spring. That's the development on the so-called Society Turn Parcel, which abuts the roundabout to the southwest. But wherever did this name come from, and how far back does it go? I put the question to the director of the Telluride Historical Museum, Kiernan Lannan, who took a dive into the records. The prevailing theory seems to be that it had something to do with uh, the sort of well-to-do, high-society people who would maybe on, say, Sundays head out for their version of a Sunday drive, head down to roughly the end of where San Miguel City used to be, where society turns, we know it today is. Uh, they may have a picnic out there, and then they turn back and head into town. So it's the place where, as the story goes, society turned around. That story comes from folklore, word of mouth. There is no historical source actually documenting this high society picnicking practice. But the name Society Turn does appear in historical documents going back roughly a century. The earliest I saw in, say, historic newspapers were, was the 1920s, where that area was called Society Turn. White settlement began in the Telluride area in the 1870s, but it would have taken a while for the town to develop a real society, says Lannan. It was officially incorporated in 1878. Then it was pretty small mining kind of outposts before things really got going after the railroad came in and the population exploded in the 1890s. So I would imagine you weren't going to see too many of the well-to-do people doing this picnicking thing <laughs> prior to the 1890s. Then one has to imagine it takes a while for a name to stick. So the term's appearance in the 1920s fits the general timeline of settlement in the Box Canyon. Another piece of the story which checks out, back in that era, it would have been best to get out of town for your picnic. 
in the little industrial center of Telluride proper. There's a lot of smoke from wood fires and there's a lot of noise with the stamp mills going off. And so I think the further you were able to get away from that, the nicer it was. The historical record does contain evidence that the area around Society Turn was a popular local destination, even if there's no specific evidence of high society picnicking. It is clear by the 1920s that was a place where people were hanging out. There was a golf course not too far from there. There's been some mentions in oral histories about people kind of almost treating it, I don't want to say like a beach per se, but on the banks of a river just kind of hanging out. It was a kind of well-known area to go get away from town a little bit, hang out, have some fun with your friends. Lannon adds the leisure culture associated with Society Turn is not to be confused with another local landmark, the Social Tunnel, which is above town on Tomboy Road. The origin story of this spot is far better documented than the story behind Society Turn. Miners who slept in boarding houses at Tomboy Town in the high country and in Telluride itself were barred from bringing women or alcohol into their quarters. The tunnel, situated between Tomboy Town and Telluride, was an in-between space where the rules fell away. The miners could come down and maybe have something to drink, meet someone who's coming up from town with some alcohol, have something to drink, maybe meet a lady, potentially a prostitute. So sort of these social things took place far enough outside of both Tomboy and Telluride where they can get up to whatever they felt like getting up to. Back on the topic of society turn, Lannon adds there is another explanation for the name. Situated at a crossroads in the Boxed Canyon, travelers making long journeys through remote mountain terrain could either turn in towards Telluride, literally turning towards society, or turn another way and continue their travels in the wilds of the frontier mountain west. But, of course, the folklore of those high society horse and buggies picnicking and parading, it has a certain appeal. Your boyfriend's a very good rider. Good art often makes you think, and it's not always the easiest to digest. This week on Eyes to Ears, Telluride High School's Bella Eatman delves into the sometimes hard truths of life. Have a listen. Good evening, everyone. Welcome back to the Kodo program known as Eyes to Ears. This is a program where I, Bella Eatman, describe paintings I find in local art galleries to describe to you, the listener. Recently, I've revisited the Red Dirt Art Gallery and found one piece that intrigued me from an emotional standpoint. Listeners be warned, this piece delves into themes that only a more mature listener can understand. If you do not wish to listen to such themes, I suggest that you tune out for five minutes, perhaps drink some water, grab a snack, and tune right back in when you wish to. This piece is actually two paintings telling the same story, known as My Heart is Not Your Destination by Unica Rogers. We start with the first painting on the left, an arm outstretched reaching leftward. This arm rests upon wrinkled sheets, showing juxtaposition against the pillow above. 
with its fabric all smoothed out, showing little difference in shadow value. Shadows of birds fly above the scene in small numbers. From the arm's source, a mess of twisting tangles of dark hair rest, just barely making an impression on the pillow's surface. We continue onward to the second piece. On the right, we see the owner of the previously mentioned arm, a woman beneath the wrinkled sheets. The woman loosely holds her other hand over the sheets so as to keep her vessel hidden. Her long, crazed dark hair presents a swirling chaos that frames her face, that which is not entirely seen in the first place. Her eyes present a muted hopelessness with no highlights, only looking onward past the viewer. The shadowed birds fly overhead once more in a slightly greater quantity, seemingly spawning from the dark curls of her hair. If you understand the implications of this piece, with the picture attached to the title, you'd understand the greater fear that this art hints toward. This painting sets a very important message about healthy dating, about what it means to not be in all that great a situation with a partner who would not treat you like a partner. To me, it describes the objectification that would be attached to that toxic relationship. A dehumanization that allows the toxic member of that relationship to barely spare a glance towards you rather than your body. If you're hoping to find someone else in your life, please try to be careful. Don't do anything you're uncomfortable with. Try to communicate with whoever this partner may be. And if they are unreceptive, then try to talk to some other trusted peers around you. See what they think. Regardless, this has been Eyes to Ears on Kodo. I am your host, Bella Eatman, and I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. It's time to lace up your running shoes, smash some carbs, and hit the trail. This Saturday brings the Box Canyon Trail Races. The day of racing features two courses. The Bridal Veil 30K takes runners through a scenic and tough loop. Runners start at the Telluride Gondola Station, run east towards Bridal Veil Falls, up past the Smuggler Union Hydroelectric Plant, and into Bridal Veil Basin. Runners will take in vast alpine meadows through Wasatch Junction, descending onto the Wasatch Connector Trail before the final ascent to the top of the Telluride Ski Resort. Runners will finish the race by descending from the slopes back into town. The shorter Bear Creek 10-mile race will also start at the Gondola Station, sending racers heading up Bear Creek until they reach the top of the Telluride Ski Resort, and then they'll descend the slopes back into town. The races start at 6.30 and 7.30 a.m. respectively on Saturday, July 22nd. The Telluride Regional Medical Center is looking for input from the community. The Med Center notes healthcare providers have had a difficult time recovering from the pandemic given rising costs and increased demands. 
MedCenter officials say leadership is exploring options to ensure the financial stability of the MedCenter so it can continue to provide high-quality primary care, behavioral health, and emergency services for the community. To get feedback from the public on the proposal, the Med Center is asking residents to complete a survey. The survey takes about five minutes to complete and is anonymous. It is available at telmed.org and will be open until Thursday, July 27th. Republican U.S. Representative Lauren Boebert of SILT is sponsoring a new bill. If passed, it will reauthorize funding for endangered fish recovery programs in the Upper Colorado River and San Juan River basins. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, Caroline Giannis of Aspen Public Radio has more. The recovery programs include the construction and maintenance of fish hatcheries, along with water management efforts that target certain flows at certain times of year. Zane Kessler is the Colorado River District's Director of Government Relations, which is supporting the bill. He says the program's water management isn't just for fish. While also ensuring that water users on the western slope and throughout the upper Colorado River Basin can continue to develop our water supplies to meet the needs of our growing communities. He says the program has traditionally been funded in large part by hydropower revenue from dams on the upper Colorado, like the Glen Canyon Dam. But due to human-caused climate change and historic drought, hydropower revenue has dropped significantly. And Kessler says this bill provides other funding opportunities within federal law. Caroline Yanez, Aspen Public Radio News. Republican leaders in the U.S. House of Representatives are moving to reverse the Biden administration's ban on new oil and gas leases near Chaco Canyon National Park. Last Thursday, the House Committee on Natural Resources heard testimony from Navajo people on the issue. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, Clark Adamitis of KSUT and KSJD reports. Over the course of two hours, the committee discussed the Biden administration's drilling moratorium around Chaco. Arkansas Republican Bruce Westerman, who chairs the House Natural Resources Committee, took the opportunity to criticize the administration's decision. The Department of Interior refused to listen to the people on the ground and instead decided to steamroll those who don't agree with them in the name of climate change. The moratorium covers federal lands in a 10-mile radius around Chaco Canyon, and it was put in place to preserve archaeological resources left behind by Puebloan people centuries ago. But the land is a checkerboard of public, private, and tribal lands, and some of those lands are 160-acre allotments owned by Navajo people. Westerman said the drilling ban is harmful to those Alatis. Navajo Nation Alatis stands to lose roughly $194 million in revenue uh, due to this withdrawal, and the administration appears to not care about that. Westerman's remarks were in line with those of Navajo Nation President Boo Nigren, a fierce opponent of the drilling moratorium. Last Thursday, Nigren expressed his concerns for Alatis. Many derive their income from mineral development. Impacted Alatis say that they receive royalties averaging around 20000 a year. The, the disadvantaged communities in this region have a median income below 27000 which is below the federal poverty guidelines. Having grown up with very little, I seek to maximize economic opportunities and be a voice for our most vulnerable. 
Nygren told the committee that the Department of the Interior failed to adequately consult his tribe. The Navajo Nation government is in the best position to know what is best for the Navajo people. The withdrawal was done without meaningful consultation and fails to honor the Navajo Nation's sovereignty. Respect for tribal sovereignty must be consistent, even when it is not convenient. But another Navajo leader who testified last Thursday told the committee that the tribe was consulted. Mario Atencio, vice president of the Torreon Star Lake chapter of the Navajo Nation, supports the drilling ban. The cultural ceremonies that were created there are the most sacred rituals that are foundational to Navajo cultural identity. My family and I have deep spiritual and cultural connections to the greater Chaco landscape. But over the years, we have seen our lands and environment become deeply degraded by oil and gas pollution. There are nearly 40,000 oil and gas wells across the greater Chaco landscape. With Democrats in control of the White House and U.S. Senate, the House-sponsored legislation is unlikely to become law. Nonetheless, last Thursday's hearings were an opportunity for Republicans to show that some Native Americans are not happy with the Biden administration's drilling ban at Chaco. For KSUT and KSJD, I'm Clark Adamitis. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for a mostly clear night tonight with a low near 45 degrees. Saturday brings sunny skies with a high near 85 and a chance of showers developing in the afternoon. Any precipitation will likely clear up overnight on Saturday, leaving clear skies in a low near 50. Sunday calls for a 40% chance of showers with otherwise sunny skies and a high near 85 degrees. Sunday night should be partly cloudy with a low near 50. This has been the news for Friday, July 21st. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206. And now, personal commentaries. Watch my buckskin and my saddle and my day bags and my gun roll an ass over tea kettle down into the morning sun. She was bent, she was twisted, she was bruised up in the back. We were half an hour scouting down the hill for broken tack. We were halfway up Red Mountain, we were full of grit and old and I was bound in stone. Hey you fun loving rodeo fans, this is Elizabeth from the Norwood Roping Club. And I have good news for you, and some bad news. The good news is, the funnest weekend of the summer is almost upon us. Bad news is, it only lasts two nights, so make sure you get to Norwood for the San Miguel County Rodeo, July 28th and 29th. It's Friday night and Saturday night. It starts at 7 p.m. The mutton busting starts at 6. After that, we've got all the proper rodeo events, some bareback riding, some saddle bronc, barrels and bulls and did I say roping my personal favorite steer wrestling locals can get in on the rodeo action too you can form a team you can win some money in the wild steer dragging contest plenty of fun to watch that for the younger folk the smaller folk not quite ready to be drugged by a wild steer in public they can participate in the stick horse race and we've also got calf riding for the kids and this year we have mini bronx kids age 4 to 14 can ride them or can they come and see for yourself 
And this guy, Bryn Hill, is coming at us for the after party right there at the fairgrounds. Included in the price of your ticket is the party having Bryn Hill play the dance. Plenty of food, drinks, fun for all. Hope to see you at Norwood, July 28th and 29th for the rodeo. Yeehaw. Hi, lovely Koto listeners. This is Claire from Telluride Chamber Music, here to tell you that Telluride Chamber Music is turning 50, and we would love you to come and celebrate with us on July 28th and 29th. We have a very special weekend of concerts lined up with the world-renowned New York Philharmonic Brass Quintet. The events kick off on Friday, July 28th, at 6 p.m. outside the Telluride Historical Museum with a free street concert for the whole community. The quintet will perform on the porch of the museum and North First Street will be closed to traffic so that everyone can come and celebrate with us. On Saturday, July 29th at 2 p.m., we have the Brass Family, which is a free kids concert at Wilkinson Public Library. Learn all about brass instruments from world-class musicians. All ages are welcome and snacks provided. Later on July 29th at 7pm at the Sheridan Opera House, we have Bark to Bernstein with a Brass Twist. This is the finale of our 50th celebrations and the concert showcases the best music for brass. A classical first half, followed by jazz, musicals and popular music in the second half, all played by one of the world's most famous brass quintets. Tickets for this concert are on sale on our website, telluridechambermusic.org, where you can also find the details for all the events. We can't wait to celebrate with you. Opinions broadcast over KOTO are those of the speakers. You are also invited to express your views after the news or on access each weekday at around 4 p.m. If you would like to comment, please contact a staff person here at Cuddo. We encourage you to speak out on important public issues.